The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. On a Tuesday, man, a lot to unpack this Tuesday. Utah State down at Las, in Las Vegas for Mountain West Conference Media Days. And uh, the polls are out. The preseason polls are out for USU. Preseason players, preseason first team. Uh, and it all bodes well for the Utah State Aggies. Uh, we had a chance to uh, catch up with Craig Smith. You'll hear that a little bit later on in the show. Um, also, Utah State continues to prepare for Nevada. Uh, so a lot of different things. Utah Jazz were in action last night. We have Major League Baseball going on right now. As we just heard, the Astros are up 2 nothing on the Yankees in the uh, top of the fifth. So um, this is turning out to be quite an interesting series. Again, the road team is the, the sexy thing these days in Major League Baseball. So uh, <laughs> interesting to see how this continues to play out. Uh, but, yeah, lots of different things. First of all, I think the biggest thing to, to touch on here, Ajay, is the Mountain West preseason polls came out today. And what really gets me the most here is not that I, I didn't expect Utah State to be the first team uh, in the in this media poll. That's pretty much what I would have predicted, that they would be, be first. But that they were a unanimous selection and that beyond that, this is the first time ever that anybody has been a unanimous selection for the number one team coming into the season. I want you to think about all the great teams, and I think this is why, right? We think about Kawhi Leonard and the San Diego State Aztecs. Uh, I'll, I'll even put it up there. BYU, Jimmer Fredette, and that 2010-11 Cougars team, which Utah ran. Utah had yeah, some great Utah, players. Uh, Nevada last year, I honestly would the have thought they were. years. Yeah, I mean, with Caleb and Cody Martin and, and Jordan Caroline, I thought that team was Really, honestly, good enough to be a top, I mean, unanimous vote team. So for it to be the Aggies with, with Sam Merrill and the Mishketa and, and all this depth that they got and some great recruiting from the coaching staff, uh, they're sitting pretty. And again, it's a poll. Now, I mean, how serious do we take it? We'll look at last year's poll. Utah State was picked <laughs> to finish, what, fourth, fifth in their division or whatever? Ninth overall in the conference? And, and, and nobody knew about Craig Smith. No one knew about Nami Ishketa. By game five, everybody knew who the heck that, that team was. And then now it's, I mean, it's, hey, coach, we, you know, you're the you're the best ever. And, you know, and it's just, this team's can, they're top 20. And it's like, wow. Okay. Yeah, right. Instead of coming into the, to the 2018-2019 season as virtual unknowns, the new coach, and not a lot of returning players back. Yep. Because either with graduation, some guys transferred. So the guys that contributed the most to your previous, I mean, Sam was back and he had contributed some, obviously, but even then he was a relatively unknown quantity in the Mountain West Conference. So it caught, what they were able to do caught a lot of people by surprise. Certainly did. Now they've, what they've shown they were able to do, it is no surprise with all the talent they coming, have coming back. It's, it's kind of a, um, an inverted situation this year for Craig Smith and this Utah State men's basketball team. They were relative unknowns a year ago with very low expectations. This year they're coming back with all this talent. 
They're very well known and respected. And so um, it, it is a different situation that Utah State finds itself in. Um, the rest of the order in the Mountain West is Utah State number one, as we discussed, San Diego State number two, New Mexico number three, followed by Nevada, Boise State, Fresno State, UNLV, Air Force, Colorado State, Wyoming, and San Jose State. Um, I'm surprised New Mexico's not above San Diego State. And I think by season end, that would change. I think New Mexico's a very good basketball team. I think Fresno State's actually secretly really a good ball team that they're kind of underneath the radar, which is, I'm sure is fine with them. Um, Boise State, you never know. But, yeah, I, I think if I do anything, I'd flip San Diego State, New Mexico. Everything else looks fine. Uh, I could see that. Uh, New Mexico has a lot of guys coming back. Um, I, I think that they were – uh, they're developing their players pretty nicely. I know they played Utah State really tough. Um, and there's some people out there projecting that New Mexico could be the team that brings down Utah State in the Mountain West this year. Uh, San Diego State has uh, good players as well, but I'm like you. I think New Mexico would have a slight edge. So I'm kind of surprised to see that. Um, San Diego State number two, New Mexico number three. Beyond that, I don't know that I see too many other major changes that I would see here. I think that UNLV, though, could be one of those teams that surprises some people. New coaching staff, doing things a little bit differently. Uh, they've had some roster changes. That could be a dangerous team that gets overlooked this year. Okay, so let's play the game. Let's have a little fun here. Utah State, how far could they go fully healthy in the NCAA tournament? Fully healthy? I guess I would assume that they get a decent seed, mm-hmm. a favorable seed. Okay, fine. Well, we'll okay, so they get so, the, they get the seventh seed. Is that a favorable seed? I mean, are we talking like top five seed here? The way their preseason is lined up, or their pre-conference, and if the conference is is good, if it's not a bunch of duds that just keep beating up on each other, um, I see Utah State could have the potential to be a even a five seed. If you win the Mountain West Conference with the schedule that they have, and they have a good record, I don't see why Utah State wouldn't have a five seed. They're going to come into the season a top 25 team. I like him. It is a tell the truth Tuesday, right? So, uh, yeah. That's right. You're yeah. welcome. Um, I would honestly see them in the Elite Eight. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Fully healthy, whether their seed is from one to eight, they are an elite eight basketball team. Wow. Dance with that for a okay. little bit. <laughs> uh, I will tell the truth. I, won't think, I don't think they'll go that far. From a program that hasn't won a first-round game in the NCAA tournament since, what was it, 2001? Correct. Um, they, I think that they'll get... The first through the first round, um, could they be a second round? Get past the second round? Maybe. I'm I'm hesitant to say they're a Sweet Sixteen team. I look at only that. because I need to see these young, all these new guys, how they fit. True, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, I 
And maybe with the addition of Marco Anthony on that team. Next year. Yeah, next year. I, well, that's what I'm saying. Is he, If he was to be on this team this year, this team is, I mean, unreal, right? With his absence, I still think they're very, very good. Like you said, we need to see how the young guys fit into it. You know, they look good, you know, in practice or whatever, but then when comes game time versus LSU versus Florida versus South Florida, BYU, how do they really look? Um, but I just think with their young talent and the, yeah, this veteran experience in with the leadership of Sam Merrill and, of course, getting uh, Nemeas back, hopefully he's 100% ready to go. Um, I mean, are they, I mean, I think they're honestly, they're capable of beating a team like Gonzaga. I really think so. They can run the court. Ooh. Wow. You're really getting out there, Ajay. You're, you're really high on this team. I, I, I know it's saying that you shouldn't be. I I similarly like this team a lot and think that they can go far. But I can understand why we pump the brakes too. I can understand. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Gonzaga is a perennial top five team. Yeah, but what do they do in the NCAA tournament? <laughs> yeah, true. It's it's great that you're a top five team, but come NCAA tournament time, can you switch it from sixty to a hundred in two seconds and go? And it just seems like I mean, yeah, they've been to a national championship, I think, or a, a Final Four. But it, it just they, they seem to falter. For whatever reason, they seem to falter. And if the stars can align for the Yaggies and based on seeding, region, and teams, this team's got a legit shot at being an Elite Eight team, in my opinion. Uh, we have a chance to talk to Craig Smith coming up a little bit later on in the show and uh, get his thoughts about the poll. Sam Merrill is a preseason player of the year. We didn't really mention that too much. Um, but uh, he is joined on the preseason All-Mountain West team by uh, Namiyash Keta, uh, the sophomore center from Utah State. Other members of that Mountain West All-Mountain West team, uh, Lavelle Scotty, who's in, a senior at Air Force, Derek Alston, who's a junior guard at Boise State, and Nico Carvacho, who's a senior center at uh, Colorado State. And to be honest, I'm Nico Carvacho seems like he's been in the league for forever. I was surprised to see he's still back. Yeah, he just isn't going away anytime soon, right? Uh, preseason newcomer of the year, Malachi Flynn Jr., a guard out of San Diego State, and the preseason freshman of the year, K.J. Himes at Nevada. It's a good list. It's a good list, but, man, and I just think, man, there's some teams that lost some talent, some pretty good talent, too. Um, and so how do they, I don't know, again, replace probably isn't the right word, but how do you, I don't know, how do you fill the gap that you lose? Like San Diego State's one of them. Uh, Fresno State got a chunk of theirs back. I think New Mexico did as well. Nevada lost some really good talent from last year's roster, and they got, you know, Steve Alford, their new coach, um, which, by the way, Chris Murray of the Nevada Sports Net will be joining you tomorrow. I'll be gone and bountiful for the MC game. But he'll join you, and you might be able to get a kind of an opinion on what Steve Alford is like, and you know how the feeling is there. <laughs> a team that was picked to be in the Final Four, that was good enough to be in the Final Four last year, egos got in the way, whatever else happened, and all of a sudden they they were knocked out in the first round, I believe. Um, and so, you know what what can they do to rebound? It'll be interesting. Yeah, the expectations on Nevada. <laughs> their coach said he was going to stick around. He wasn't going anywhere, and then he left. Oh man, that's. We know how. Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. We've heard that. We've heard that song before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Uh, hey, let's continue with basketball, but let's switch to the NBA for just a moment. Yeah. Utah Jazz had a preseason game last night against oh, the Sacramento Kings. Yuck. Holy cow, a lot of offense in the first half in that game. Not a lot of defense. No. Uh, I don't know if Gobert is just trying to get his legs back after the FIBA, if he's not genuinely interested in preseason basketball, but he might want to pick it up a little bit. Sacramento scored 78 points in the first half. Yeah. And and Gobert was nowhere to be found. You know, on covers, on you know, on a pick me up on a screen that would come by and 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 they go to the baseline and Gobert was just nowhere to be seen. And they get a wide open layup. I feel like he wasn't physical in the post. You know, he was he's playing soft. I guess is the best way to put it. Defensively, they looked horrible. I mean, they looked atrocious offensively. They look great. I mean, they, they they really do. Ball movements fluid. Um, shots are there. Great looks. Guys giving you know the extra pass when it needs to be given. Um, good movement off ball, especially from Bojanovic from Ingles. Uh, good leadership pro or court presence from Mike Conley. Like it's all there offensively. Eric. Problem is, is you can score 115 points, and 95 percent of the time that should win you a basketball game, unless you give up 128 to Sacramento. <laughs> and by the way, isn't this, didn't this happen in the regular season too, where they lost like 128 or like 130 or something to 115 in in the regular season last year? I believe this happened as well. So I this like defensively, and they should have no reason why it's not picking up besides losing Derek Favors. You should still be good defensively. I I kind of I mean Rudy Gobert played twenty seven minutes. Donovan Mitchell played twenty nine minutes. What was Gobert's Donovan line? Mitchell played like a, a regular full game practically. What was Gobert's line? Do you have it? Uh, Gobert had uh, six rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, one turnover, and four personal fouls with seventeen points. Yeah, just didn't play good. Yeah, he That's just didn't seem bad. intrigued. It's not a bad line for it's a It's not day, a Gobert but... line. It's not a defensive player of the year line. No, it's not. And against Sacramento, there will be other teams that are going to give you bigger trouble than Sacramento. Boston, uh, Houston, uh, Golden State, Clippers for sure, Lakers definitely, and I'd say even the Pelicans. <laughs> so uh, if, if you're having that much trouble versus Sacramento, you're in deep trouble when it comes to regular season time. I think that with the Jazz, this is, uh, I think as an organization, looking at some of the games that have been played here in the preseason, that they're just, they're, they're so tinkering with rotations and starting lineups. The end result is not important to them. Yeah. Okay. And what the final score is doesn't matter. They're wanting to see what different players look like in different sets. <coughs> and that's understandable. I can completely, but it's still a different starting lineup. Each but still, time. does it affect you that much individually? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't put too much stock in what happens at the preseason. Really, even like as individual play. Individual play, yeah, for moments, but they're not going to. How they look in a course of a full game is going to be different because there might be times where they look really good, but then you realize. Oh, they're going up against some third string guy that might not even be on the roster. 
Here's the thing, though, is that Sacramento played the majority of their main guys for quite some time in that game. True. And, and Bagley, and, he played 30 minutes. Barnes, Harrison Barnes, played 28. Buddy Heald, he played 28. Darren Fox only played 19 minutes. Yeah, he's coming back from an injury or something because he dropped out, right, of the, uh, the FIBA? If I remember right, he dropped out because of an injury, so... Yeah, but, it was very slight. By the way, that's... He could have gone if he really wanted. On the other side, though, that Kings team is going to be really good. Like, Pelicans and Kings are going to be the two teams that are going to try and boot two teams out to get that 7-8 spot. Yes, true. They, I mean, both those are young teams and really, really good. They've got some really good talent. Uh, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, not to be confused with Boyan Bogdanovich. <laughs> uh, he was really one of the stars in the FIBA World Cup this summer. Uh, he looked good, 16 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. So, yeah, that, that Sacramento Kings team is, is going to be all right. They'll be, they'll be a pretty tough team. Yeah. They're they'll, not pushovers. Yeah, and, and I, again, I agree. I, I think they'll be, again, competing for a 7th or 8th spot um, when, when that playoff time comes. Now, Jazz get Portland at home on Wednesday, Oklahoma City at home on next Wednesday, that will be the opening of the regular season, Eric. So we've got one preseason game left. Jazz have seven days off, and then they get the Thunder on Wednesday, October 23rd, 7 p.m. Uh, to start off the regular season. And we will hear that game on this very station, 106.9 The Fan. That's true. We'll have it. All the Utah Jazz games will be here. The only thing that will preempt the Jazz game is a Skyview uh, basketball game. Eric, you got to get over to practice to Utah State, and uh, I'm going to take over the board, and you'll be back at 5 o'clock. I already give us an update on that, and we got more Utah State basketball talk to go. Yes, so stay tuned. Uh, we're going to hear from Craig Smith yep. in a little while. Uh, more about that, and uh, Tell the Truth Tuesday. We'll also have our stat that blew our minds. And player of the week. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. 422 your time here on October 15th. It's a Tuesday. Tell the Truth Tuesday. We'll get you our stat that blew our mind and our player of the week as well. Eric's heading up to practice to uh, Utah State football. They get ready for Nevada Wolfpack this Saturday night. That's an 8-15 start. By the way, if you missed it yesterday, uh, the uh, Air Force-Utah State game in Colorado will be at 8-15 as well. That game will be on ESPN2. This Saturday's game will be on ESPNU. Um, so again, a lot of late games, going to have to get used to it. That's just the way the Mountain West runs is the better the team is, the later the game they'll play. Uh, Boise State's going to be an 8.30 game. I would imagine BYU is an 8 o'clock game. Not for sure, though. Uh, that probably won't be announced until next Sunday or Monday morning, give or take. So, uh, we'll get uh, the thoughts and, uh, kind of, a uh, I don't know if you can call it a breakdown because practice is closed. But uh, maybe just a feel of what practice may seem like um, and uh, comments from players as well uh, from Eric when he returns from the Mav. All right, again, as you all already know, Utah State men's basketball was picked to win the Mount West Conference in the 2019-20 season. Uh, and not only were they picked to win it, but it was unanimous as well. That's right, they got all 17 votes. 
It's the first time ever in Mountain West Conference history that's happened. Add on to the fact that uh, Mr. Sam Merrill has been named your Mountain West Conference Preseason Player of the Year Award. Uh, and uh, Nemeas Keta was also named to the All-Mountain West team. No surprise there. Uh, you, again, you can find all the recap and the updates on CashValleyDaily.com. Just go to the upper uh, left-hand corner, click on the menu button, go to sports, go to USU, and you'll find great recaps of the um, of the announcements on the uh, on the uh, Player of the Year for Sam Merrill, the All-Conference honor for, for Nemeas, and the... Uh, of course, a high recognition for the team as a whole. Speaking of Sam Merrill, he's been named to the Jerry West Award watch list. Um, it's recognizing the top shooting guard in the Division I Men's Collegiate Basketball as announced by the Name Smith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame on Tuesday. And according to the USUPR uh, media team, who sent it out, a national committee of top college basketball personnel determined to watch a list of 20 candidates. Now, the Merrill, uh, excuse me, Sam Merrill, the, who, of course, was the 2019 Mountain West Player of the Year and the Mountain West Tournament MVP, uh, led the Aggies to both the regular season and conference tournament uh, championship just last year, uh, paced the team with a team-best 20.9 points per game, and uh, was 731 points, the fifth most in a single season in Utah State history, while his average of 20.9 points per game ranked second in the Mountain West. He was also the top distributor for the Aggies, Totaling a team best 147 assists, averaging 4.2 per contest, ranked fifth in the Mountain West. Uh, Merrill was also named third team All American by the stadium, AP Honorable Mention All American, first team All Mountain West, first team All District 17 by the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and All District by the U.S. Basketball Writers Association. He'll enter the 2019 20 season 1,000 with, excuse me, with 1,568 career points and could be could become just the fourth Aggie in history of the program to eclipse the 2,000 career point mark. Um, and just so you know, Merrill, uh, of course, he he had that wonderful summer. He was able to relax, but then he also got some good work in. He spent part of the offseason participating in the uh, CP3 Elite Guard Camp as one of just 15 collegiate point guards who were invited to the camp. Uh, that camp annually, annually features the top 30 high school point guards, from around the country in the top 15 collegiate point guards from an intense three-day training camp with current NBA player and now current starting point guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Chris Paul. So uh, some good some good work for him um, and a great offseason. Of course, there's a lot of hype on this basketball team, a ton of hype. question is, is can they handle it? Can they deal with the expectation of being the hunted not the hunter. Last year, I don't know, again, as I already said, that I don't know how many people knew who um, Namiya Keta was, Craig Smith was. They knew who Sam Merrill was, but was he really that good? And, he, and then he had this breakout year. And as did Coach Smith, as did Namiya Keta, and a bunch of other guys. Abel Porter's another one. By the way, Abel was down there in Vegas, as well as Diogo Brito. Um, we'll catch up with Coach Smith in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm going to get his thoughts on, um, on the players that traveled with him. This team's expectations, the hype, uh, how you fill the void of no Namiyash Keta for however long that is. Uh, according to people who were at Media Day, Coach said that there is no timetable for Keta's return. They're not sure. They hope to get him back as soon as possible, but they want him back 100% healthy, of course. So uh, that's uh, that's what you're kind of tuning into in regards of uh, Media Day in Las Vegas. That, uh, and In fact, if I heard correctly, uh, the team is actually traveling back 
uh, today, or at least the players, uh, Miish and, or excuse me, uh, Diogo, Abel Porter, and Samrell, along with Coach Smith, will be traveling back today uh, as soon as uh, the festivities are over there in Las Vegas. All right, so we want to get to some some football here. Uh, yesterday, you heard a little bit from uh, Coach Gary Anderson on Nevada on their second bye week and uh, what they're expecting uh, this week. And again, he's not specific with injuries, so we don't know who will be returning. Uh, he feels like they'll be okay in the wide receiver department. He says they'll be okay in the running back department. My guess is that Dylan Warren will return. Um, I don't know about Siosi Mar- uh, Mariner. Um, not sure about Andy uh, Koch either, who was a backup right tackle who was who was injured in that LSU loss, forty-two to six. So uh, yesterday uh, we had uh, Kevin Metzenheimer, the linebacker, and Dominic Everly also joined in in his press conference. I'm going to actually play the entirety of the Kevin Metzenheimer interview for you all to be able to hear. Uh, you can get a chance to uh, hear what Kevin's thoughts were on the on the bye week and, of course, on what he's looking forward to when it's time to play Nevada. Here is Kevin Metzenheimer, the Utah State linebacker, in yesterday's presser. Well, it was pretty exciting to get back to work and focus on my West play now. I mean, we had a, a lot of things we got to fix, a lot of things we got to get better at, me, myself, and decided to get back to it. Nevada, I was looking over their stats. They've, they've allowed quite a few tackles for loss this season. I want to say something like 57, something like that. How, how excited are you as a you know, a front seven to, to be able to get after them on, on Saturday? I mean, it's really exciting. I, I really feel like our front seven could play with the best of them. So, I mean, that, it's going to be a fun game. I think we could do a lot of great things. Kevin, is it Mitzenheimer or Metzenheimer? Metzenheimer. Metzenheimer's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is it like playing next to a guy like Woodward who gets, obviously, teams try to do stuff to get him out of making tackles? Does that open it up for you, or what is it like? Can you talk about that? I mean, it's really fun. I mean, watching him play, watching film on him, he's a great player. It's fun to watch him make plays. I mean, he, it's so many times he could be out of position and in a quick heartbeat. He, he'll make the pack tackle, make the play. It's fun. I mean, a lot of dudes do try to double-team him, so it frees me up, so it's good to play against him because – Makes me feel better. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. Makes me play better. So it's fun. Just, I mean, it was pretty night and day difference. Um, Nevada's previous game against Hawaii, and then against San Jose State. I watch. I'm sure you probably watched film in both games. Was it like watching two different teams? Uh, yeah, it was like watching two different teams. But I mean, I think they're still a pretty good team. So okay, uh, the receivers are pretty big, big dudes. Uh, the running back, pretty good, big tough guy. Uh, the quarterback, he throws throws the ball really well on the run. Throws the deep ball really good. That's a good team. I asked Coach the same thing kind of Jason was talking about is they responded after they got beat 52-3 to and had a bye week, and then we saw what happened in their next game. You guys got beat pretty good by LSU, mm-hmm. got a bye week. What was that like to come back after that and get back to work and, and – where do you think everybody is right now? Yeah. I feel like the first thing you got to do after getting losing is get back to work. That's the way you get over the loss. So come back to work is going to make us better. Being able to have that extra week, getting everybody healthy, the extra film, the extra treatment is going to give us an upper edge on them. So. 
is uh, coach is, coach really likes all of you guys do you guys like together can you talk a little bit about the team feeling of, oh we of what love this is like we love coach a we love all the coaches and what, what it's like as a whole team besides loving the coach or whatever too i mean i feel like this team like we're all together i feel like anybody outside of football could just hang out with each other because we have a bond everybody's Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows each other's name, where they're from, how they're doing. You can ask anybody on the team for something, and they may they be able to help you because everybody has a love for one another. And I feel like Coach A brought that in, like like love each other, keep each other accountable for anything that you do. Make sure you're on the right path, doing what you're supposed to do. And he just feeds that into us, and I mean, he's a good dude. Can you? Express a little bit of your situation. You started to play more towards the end of last year mm -hmm. and stuff. But is this year a totally different feeling to be starter, more responsibility for you? What? Yeah, it's it's a lot of more responsibility. I mean, you got to be able to play the whole game instead of just being a part-time player doing special teams, things like that. It's I would say it's funner. I actually think it's easier because now I get to watch film and really break down who I'm playing against and see what I need to do to be better to be able to play against these guys because, I mean, any given Saturday, anybody could beat anybody. So you got to be on top of your game. Utah State will need to be on top of their game versus Nevada, who's very athletic, and, of course, their quarterback, Malik Henry. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Malik Henry was on Last Chance U. For all you Netflix users, Last Chance U is about uh, where they take the cameras and they go to a small community college town and uh, and and. and Watch him through a whole entire season, the ups and the downs. And Malik Henry was a quarterback, at a uh, former quarterback of Florida State, got himself in trouble, ended up uh, going to, I believe, Independence, Missouri, and then uh, now finds himself in Nevada. And, uh, and coach, is, uh, coach realizes who, who Malik is. And, I mean, now if you watch film, and I say film, you watch him on Netflix – Good arm, very strong arm, can throw up very well on the run, as uh, Kevin said. Um, he's he's not not big, but again, he plays with good size, and especially with his arm, he can. I mean, he can just take a rip downfield with uh, with no problem at all. The question is, is, can he handle the pressure? When I say pressure, I mean just the upfront pressure coming from the front seven on blitzes and such. Uh, it seems like he kind of ducks in that pressure. He tries to avoid it. Um, and but more often than not, we'll also make a ton of mistakes. Um, so here actually is um, I'm trying to find, find it. There he goes. Here is Coach Anderson on Malik Henry and what his thoughts are. Wherever they're at and what they're doing, they're just it, it fits the world that they want, right? Um, and he walked into that moment and he was prepared, and it was it was good to see. I guess good to see. He's not really the right word because he played really well, but it's, it's good to see a kid jump into that spot and be prepared to do it. And he did. He took advantage of the opportunity and, um, you know, played well enough to help his team uh, do what they had to do to win the football game. So, um, you know, he's, he's waited to get into the position to, to make those plays, and he's done it. And um, we'll see, you know, how it continues to grow and how he continues to develop as he goes through time. I'm sure he'll have high expectations, and as well as coaches will for himself. And he's, he's definitely a young man that you, you have to deal with. Malik made his start last week, his first FBS start, I should say, with Nevada. And uh, they had a come-from-behind win over San Jose State. Uh, so they uh, they escaped the Spartans. And, and uh, of course, Brandon Talton, the kicker, he's 
he's having a heck of a year so far. Has not missed a field goal yet. So you'll have a battle of the kicking game um, from Dominic and from Brandon Talton. If it comes down to that, it's uh, both teams will rely on their kicker and trust them very much. But again, Malik Henry um, will be making his uh, another start, and he'll do so here in the Maverick Stadium at 8:15 on Saturday night. Should be an interesting just to see how he plays, like live in person, and versus the defense, the aggressive defense of the Utah State Aggies. They don't let mistakes, you know, they don't let mistakes get by them. If you make a mistake on a throw. Uh, they will punish you for it. Uh, that's what Utah State is uh, is known for, at least in the last couple of years. So could be a barn burner uh, on Saturday night. Looking forward to it. Again, you can get your uh, tickets on utahstateaggies.com or go to the ticket offices at Utah State and pick them up there. Don't want to miss this game. Don't forget your pregame, 6-15, uh, with Al Lewis, Craig Hislop, Eric Franson. Uh, you'll get a great, great breakdown of uh, what this game is like and uh, and what to expect and uh, the atmosphere in itself. And then, of course, after the game, uh, you'll be able to call in with your uh, post-game thoughts and uh, what you uh, what you like, what you don't like as we get ready for uh, getting the travel to Colorado next Saturday night for another 8-15 start against the Air Force Falcons. All right, coming back, we'll uh, get you updated on the MLB wild card. We'll also break down what happened yesterday. Cardinals were supposed to be one of the hottest teams coming into the playoffs. Nationals have shut them up and shut them down. How? You'll find out. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. I'll Jay Salveson here. Eric Franson will be back for the 5 o'clock hour on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL. It's a primetime showdown between two NFC East rivals as the Dallas Cowboys host the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi, this is Jerry Recco. Join Kevin Ray, Danny White, myself for all the action as these two foes battle it out for the top spot in the division. Can Dak Prescott and the Cowboys snap a three-game losing streak? Or will Carson Wentz and the Eagles find a way to win on the road? It's the Cowboys and the Eagles. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Sunday at 545 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. One card, great rewards. It's that simple. With USAA Bank. If you think I can't do it, you go out. Sorry, had a ad and then a highlight playing over my music. Audrey Salveson here on the Full Court Press for 40 is your time on October 15th. It's a Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you, however, and wherever you are joining me. Current update right now on the Strohs and Yanks after last night's, uh, not last night's, but uh, the other night where the uh, Astros came away as winners on a walk-off shot. They now lead 2-0 on the Yankees in New York, in the Bronx. Uh, bomb of the six right now. Garrett Cole versus Mr. Uh, Garrett Cole right now is facing Sanchez at the plate. Garrett Cole has just been having a terrific Terrific year, and in fact, a terrific postseason as well, to say the least. Um, this uh, this team, this Astros team, I mean, I don't know how much you you put into it in stock, but it would be a severe disappointment to not come away with the World Series ring, just how loaded they are. And uh, would blow my mind. Right now, uh, 
Cole is uh, through five innings. He gave up four hits. He's he's giving up four hits, no runs, five walks though, and he's thrown ninety two pitches in just five innings of baseball. On the other side, Severino, his nights are already done. He threw four and a third, five hits, two runs, three wa- uh, three walks, and six Ks. He finished with ninety seven pitches. So Garrett Cole might be looking at his final inning before they turn it over to the bullpen. Remember, both both pull. Both bullpens, say that 10 times really fast, uh, were exhausted in that extra inning game in Houston. So how much can they rely on their bullpen to now here in it's just game three with the series tied at one? And that's what it's really going to come down to. Um, again, Astros right now lead in the Bronx 2 nothing. Again, the series is tied at one. On the other side, the Carlos and Nationals will be playing tonight. And it's not what everybody expected. And why? Well, because the Nationals went and hammered the Cardinals in just, I mean, dominating fashion. But it all really began. Oh, sorry. Got music still playing. Good night. I can't run the I can't run this board. There we go. It all started in the fourth inning. Maybe if I can get rid of this music. Good night. I hate computers. There we go. We good? We're good. In the fourth inning, Astros uh, Astros kind of took over. Or not That's Astros, sorry. Uh, Nationals. Swinging a crown ball up the middle. Base hit right center field. Robles will head for the plate. And the Nationals have the lead here in game three. Adam Eaton drives in Victor Robles with a chopping ground ball single into right center field. And Adam Eaton has his third RBI here in the LCS. It's the Nationals one and the Cardinals nothing. And then Rendon, who's had a pretty hot postseason, helped out and still in the fourth inning. He pitches. Swing a line drive toward the left field line, chasing Ozuna toward the line, closing, slides. He dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. Eaton's trying to score. Ozuna's throw to the plate is not in time. The Nationals lead two to nothing. Ozuna trying to make a sliding catch the ball in and out of his glove. He dropped the ball. Rendon ends up at second. And the Nationals double their lead. Two on the board here in the third inning. Howie Kendrick then jumped in on the fun. The 2-1. Swing a line drive right center field. That's a base hit. It's up the gap. It's going to the wall. Rendon scores. Soto scores. Howie Kendrick clears the bases with a two-run double here in the third inning. at Nationals Park. It's 4 nothing. And how he wasn't done yet. And now the pitch to Kendrick. Swung on and belted to the gap in left center field. This one is down and one roll to the wall. Rounding second Rendon heading for third. The ball not picked up by Ozuna. Rendon waved home. Will score standing easily without a play as the ball just comes in from left center field. Howie Kendrick has done it again. A Zimmerman RBI double, a Robles solo home run, and then a Zimmerman RBI single to cap the scoring off. Nats beat the Cardinals to take a three games to zero lead, eight to one. Strasburg was absolutely sensational. He had eight strikeouts. He was uh, just dominating, and 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 good for him. You know the the injuries he's been through and the expectations that was held upon him. This San Diego State uh, Aztec kid has just been. Nothing but sparkling 
in the postseason. On the other side, uh, Flaherty, not as great. In four innings, five hits, four runs, all earned, two walks and six Ks. He threw 78 pitches. And uh, for Strasburg, seven innings, seven hits, one run. Was not earned, by the way. He had the 12 strikeouts as well. Uh, again, Strasburg has been just sparkling for the Nationals, more than they could have ever asked for. Um, now, with that, in the seventh inning, uh, manager Martinez noticed Strasburg had grabbed his right leg, all that he's flexing it, reached for the hamstring, and he said, you know, let's go check on the guy. Um, and, and, and Martinez said to him at the mound, you know, hey, you just grabbed your hamstring, so, you know, we all right? And uh, Strasburg said, no, I cramped up. It's fine. I always cramp up. I, I'm going to stay. I want to finish this inning. And Martinez just checked with him one more time. You okay? And he says, I, I'm, I'm good. Let's go. So then he finished off the seventh inning, and he did so in really good fashion, uh, striking out the final two batters. Um, again, 12 Ks for Strasburg. Uh, and, and, and that Cardinals team, who has already been struggling enough for the play, could not get the crowd into it, um, or at least their side into it, and, and that's that's been the problem for the Cardinals, at least in this series, is trying to figure out this Nationals offense and then trying to figure out the pitching as well. Uh, Anibal, Anibal Sanchez, Max Scherzer, they've, they've had those no-hitters going in the plus six or six-plus innings, which is they're the first duo in back-to-back postseason games to flirt with a no-hitter anything later than the sixth inning. That's how good this pitching staff has been. He allowed a double in the second inning and six later, uh, six later singles, one unearned run. That's it for, for Strasburg. Um, and for the Cardinals, again, you're just trying to figure it out, right? They have a grand total of two runs and 11 hits through three games. The Washington's three starters of Sanchez, Scherzer, and Strasburg have a combined ERA, and this doesn't take a lot of math, of 0.00. That's right, not one unearned, or excuse me, not one earned run. Just the unearned run. Now, for game four tonight, it's going to be Patrick Corbin. Uh, and he will go against the rookie right-hander, Dakota Hudson, for the Cardinals. Um, and again, for Washington, they haven't put a baseball team in the World Series since 1933. Um, and, I mean, you have to go all the way back to when they won it in 1924. That was the Senators. Now, go back to 2004. Well, I guess fast forward now with the Montreal Expos. They haven't seen this playoff success yet. In fact, the Nats haven't won a playoff series since going 0-4 uh, or since, uh, sorry, the Nats haven't won a playoff series. They've been 0-4 since 2012. So, you know, is this their year? Is this their time to do it? And for anybody who's really happy, it's going to be a guy like uh, like uh, Ryan Zerman, who has been just terrific. Um, and, and again, he was, he was the first overall draft pick for the uh, for the Nationals in 2004 when they uh, or excuse me 2005 when they when they moved the franchise uh, Strasburg again 3 and 0 with a 1.6 ERA he has 33 strikeouts and one walk in this postseason 33 strikeouts and one walk 
in 22 innings of postseason pitching. That's how you keep a, a D.C. crowd who, by the way, sold out 43,675 National Maniacs humming. So, for the Cardinals, how do you handle this? What, Where do you go from here, right? How do you figure this offense out? And, uh, and for uh, Dave Martinez and the Nationals, they're just, you know, they're going to take it one game at a time. But for him, it's two things. One building since May. It didn't just start like miraculously. This this has been um, something that's been building since since the end of May. I mean, um, you know, we had our backs against the wall and uh, and they stuck with it and they, they believed in each other and they believed that they were going to bounce back and this thing was going to turn around. And two, they've been fun to watch. It started with Sanchez, you know, Scherz and now tonight, um, Strauss. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're feeding off each other. They really are. Uh, and it's fun to watch. Now, for the Cardinals on the other side, Mike Schultz got to get something together and get something together quickly to try to slow down this Washington's offense, which has been no easy task to say as of late. Our pitching hadn't been able to contain this offense, um, and I'm confident we'll be able to do that tomorrow. But, you know, we got to play with the lead. Not only playing with the lead, um, he realizes that also the Nationals are playing pretty good baseball at the right time. This is a group that um, right now has is pitching very, very well. You know, um, you know, other side's trying to. It's not, you know, we're in a we're in a highly competitive series, and they've done a really good job of being able to hold us off. You know, they've been pitching really, really well. Um, the length of their lineup showed up tonight, and um, weren't able to contain that. So, you know, we just got to be able to create more opportunities and you know, put the pressure on them a little bit more. We just hadn't been able to get that. But, you know, they've had a lot to say about that. They've done a nice job. They played They played good baseball. Nationals, Cardinals tonight will be a 6.05 start. Right now in the top of the seventh, Houston still shutting out the Yankees 2-0. What a weird series this has been so far. It's tied at one. Houston looking to go up 2-1. to one. All right, we got to take a break. Come back. We'll wrap it up here for the first hour. We'll get you ready for the second hour. And, again, you'll hear from Coach Craig Smith as his squad was picked unanimously as the number one team in the Mountain West Conference uh, preseason poll. Uh, we'll get you ready for that and more here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Four fifty-five. your time here as we get you closed up on the first hour of the Full Court Press here on a Tuesday afternoon. Grateful to have you, however, wherever you are. Eric Franson will return for the 5 o'clock hour as uh, Craig Smith will join us. USU men's head basketball coach has got to be feeling uh, maybe on cloud nine when you get that much recognition to be as one of the top teams in the Mountain West Conference. At, no, excuse me. Sorry. When you're unanimous, you are the top team in the Mountain West Conference. Can they live up to the hype, the expectations? and so forth. We'll get all the thoughts from Coach Smith uh, coming up here uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. Also coming up, we'll get you more USU football talk. We'll talk some Utah Jazz basketball as well. We'll talk some NBA. Uh, and, and, and the comments from LeBron James, just not in a good situation. Leon Rice, Boise State's uh, head men's basketball coach, had some comments too about maybe changing the schedule, and he's pretty sure it will happen. We'll talk about what we mean there. 
Um, we'll also have our stat that blew our mind and our player of the week. It's all coming up on the full court press. Second hour on its way. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NFL owners are having their fall meetings in Fort Lauderdale this week. They'll focus on things like the collective bargaining agreement with players and the next TV contract. And I'm sure they'll be thinking about their next windfall with legal sports gambling. But while they focus on the bottom line, fans across the United States are talking about one thing. Officiating. And not in a good way. Last night, a series of bad calls hurt the Lions in a loss to Green Bay. Just the latest big game that was marked by controversy. The storyline coming into the season was adding pass interference to the list of plays that can be reviewed. It hasn't worked. Now there's talk of adding a sky judge to help the officials on the field. Great technology has created some of these problems. We all see the mistakes on the big screen. Adding more technology could make things even worse. We'll see if the owners try to do anything. And if they do, will it help or somehow make officials' jobs even tougher? I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.